Book Eight, Chapter Four of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney, Chapter Four. An Author's Timekeeper. Mr. Westwin, charmed to meet so many near relations of a long-valued friend, struck by the extraordinary beauty of Indiana, and by the sensible answers of the child, as he called Eugenia, as well as caught by the united loveliness of person and of mind which he observed in Camilla, could not bring himself to retire till the dinner was upon the table, pleading in excuse for his stay his former intimacy with Sir Hugh. Miss Margland, seeing in him nothing that marked fashion, strove to distance him by a high demeanour, but, though not wanting in shrewdness, Mr. Westwin was a perfectly natural man, and only thinking her manners disagreeable, without suspecting her intention, took but little notice of her, from the time he saw she could give him no pleasure, while with the young party he was so much delighted that he seriously regretted he had only one son to offer amongst them. When the dinner was served, Eugenia grew uneasy that Dr. Orkborn should be summoned, whose non-appearance she had not ventured to mention, from the professed hatred of his very sight avowed by Miss Margland. But Camilla, brought up to exert constantly her courage for the absent, told the waiter to call the gentleman from the head of the stairs. "'My master himself, ma'am,' he answered as well as me both told the gentleman the company he came with were served but he as good as bid us both hold our tongues he seems to have taken a great liking to that place upon the stairs though there's nothing i know of particular in it but if you tell him we wait dinner cried eugenia when miss margland interrupting her said i'm sure then you won't tell him true for i beg we may all begin i think it would be rather more decorous he should wait for us the waiter nevertheless went but presently returned somewhat ruffled saying the gentleman does not choose to hear me ma'am he says if he mayn't be let alone one single minute it will be throwing away all his morning i can't say i know what he means but he speaks rather froppish i'd as live not go to him again if you please Miss Margland declared she wished him no better dinner than his pothooks, but did not doubt he would come just before they had done, as usual, and he was no more mentioned, though she never in her life ate so fast, and the table was ordered to be cleared of its covers, with a speed exactly the reverse of the patience with which the doctor was indulged on similar occasions by the baronet. Miss Margland, when the cloth was removed, proposed a sally in search of lodgings camilla and eugenia desirous of a private conference begged to remain within though the latter sought to take care of her absent preceptor before she could enjoy the conversation of her sister and when miss margland and indiana in secret exultation at his dinnerless state had glided with silent simpering past him flew to beseech his consent to take some nourishment such, however, was his present absorption in what he was writing, that the voluntary kindness of his pupil was as unwelcome 
as the forced intrusion of the waiter, and he conjured her to grant him a little respite from such eternal tormenting, with the plaintive impatience of deprecating some injury. The sisters, now equally eager to relate and to listen to their mutual affairs, shut themselves up in the apartment of Eugenia, who, with the greatest simplicity, began the discourse by saying, "'Have you heard, my dear sister, that Clermont has refused me?' Camilla was severely shocked. Accustomed herself to the face and form of Eugenia, which, to her innocent affection, presented always the image of her virtuous mind and cultivated understanding. She had not presaged even the possibility of such an event, and, though she had seen with concern the inequality of their outward appearance, Clermont had seemed to her, in all else, so inferior to her sister, that she had repined at his unworthiness, but never doubted the alliance. She was distressed how to offer any consolation, but soon found none was required. Eugenia was composed and contented, though pensive and not without some feeling of mortification. Yet anger and resentment had found no place in the transaction. Her equity acknowledged that Clermont had every right of choice, but while her candor induced her to even applaud his disinterestedness in relinquishing the Cleves estate, her capacity pointed out how terrible must be the personal defects that so speedily without one word of conversation one trial of any sort how their tastes tempers or characters might accord stimulated him to so decisive a rejection this view of her unfortunate appearance cast her at first into a train of melancholy ideas that would fast have led her to unhappiness though wholly unmixed with any regret of Clermont, had not the natural philosophy of her mind come to her aid, or had her education been of a more worldly sort. When Camilla related her own history, her plan of making Edgar again completely master of his own proceedings met the entire approbation of Eugenia, who, with a serious smile, said, "'Take warning by me, my dear sister,' and little as you have reason to be brought into any comparison with such a one as me, anticipate the disgrace of defection. Camilla, much touched, embraced her sincerely, wishing she were half as faultless as her excellent self. The return of Miss Margland and Indiana obliged them to quit the retreat, and they now found Dr. Orkborn in the dining-room. Having finished his paragraph, he had sought his party of his own accord, but meeting with no one, had taken a book from his pocket, with which he meant to beguile the appetite he felt rising, till the hour of dinner, which he had not the smallest suspicion was over, for of the progress of time he had no knowledge but by its palpable passage from the sun to the moon. His watch was never wound up, and the morning and the evening were but announced to him by a summons to breakfast and to supper. The ladies seated themselves at the window. Indiana was enchanted by the concourse of gay and well-dressed people passing by, and far from insensible to the visible surprise and pleasure she excited in those who cast up their eyes at the hotel. Eugenia, to whom a great and populous town was entirely new, found also, in the diversity as well as novelty of its objects, 
much matter for remark and contemplation miss margland experienced the utmost satisfaction in seeing at last some faces and some things less rustic than had been presented to her in yorkshire or at cleves and camilla had every hope that this place in edgar's own expression would terminate every perplexity and give local date to her life's permanent felicity in a few minutes a youth appeared on the opposite pavement whose air was new to none of the party yet not immediately recollected by any it was striking however in elegance and in melancholy eugenia recollected him first and starting back gasped for breath indiana the next moment called out ah it's mr melmont and blushing high her whole face was bright and dimpled with unexpected delight he walked on without looking up and indiana simply piqued as well as chagrined said she was glad he was gone but eugenia looked after him with a gentle sigh which now first she thought blameless and a pleasure which though half mournful she now suffered herself to encourage free from all ties that made her shun this partiality as culpable she secretly told herself she might now without injury to any one indulge it for an object little as he was known to her she internally painted with all the faultless qualities of ideal excellence from these meditations she was roused by dr orpon's looking rather wishfully round him and exclaiming pray don't we dine rather late the mistake being cleared up by miss margland's assuring him it was impossible to keep dinner waiting all day for people who chose to stand whole hours upon a staircase he felt rather discomforted but when eugenia privately ordered him a repast in his own chamber he was amply consoled by the unconstrained freedom with which he was empowered to have more books upon the table than plates and to make more ink-spots than he eat mouthfuls camilla had the mortification to find upon her return home that edgar had made his promised visit not only in her absence but while miss burlington was still with her aunt the lady then communicated to camilla the secret to which while yet in ignorance of its existence she now found she had been sacrificed mrs ecton two years ago had given her hand in the most solemn privacy to her butler who now attended her to southampton to avoid disobliging a sick old relation from whom she expected a considerable legacy she had prevailed with her husband to consent that the marriage should not be divulged but certain that whatever now might be her fortune she had no power to bequeath it from her new connection the terror of leaving utterly destitute a beautiful young creature who believed herself well provided for had induced her to nearly force her acceptance of an almost superannuated old man of family who merely coveting her beauty inquired not into her inclination the same latent cause had made her inexorable to the pleadings of young melmond who conceiving his fortune dependent upon the pleasure of his aunt his certain income being trifling thought it his duty to fly the fair object of his adoration when he discovered the deceit of lionel with regard to the inheritance of sir hugh 
the sick old relation was now just dead and had left to her sole disposal a considerable estate the husband naturally refused to be kept any longer from his just rights but the shame she felt of making the discovery of a marriage contracted clandestinely after she was sixty years of age with a man under thirty threw her into a nervous fever and in this state unable to reveal to her nephew an event which now affected him alone she prevailed with mr alst who was willing to revisit his original home southampton to accompany her thither in his capacity till she had summoned her nephew and niece and acquainted them with the affair to herself mrs burlington said the evil of this transaction had been over while yet it was unknown she had heard it therefore in silence and forborne unavailing reproach but her brother to whom the blow was new and the consequences were still impending was struck with extreme anguish that while thus every possible hope was extinguished with regard to his love he must suddenly apply himself to some business or be reduced to the most obscure poverty camilla heard the account with sincere concern for them both much heightened for young melmont upon finding that by his express desire his sister now relinquished her design of cultivating an acquaintance with indiana whom he had the virtue to determine to avoid since his fortune and even his hopes were thus irretrievably ruined they conversed together to a late hour and camilla before they parted made the most earnest apologies for the liberty taken with her house by mrs mitten but mrs burlington with the utmost sweetness begged she might stay till all her business with her was settled smilingly adding business alone she was sure could bring them together much relieved she then determined to press mrs mitten to collect and pay her accounts immediately and to avoid with her in the meanwhile any other transactions End of chapter four read by Lars Rolander